may be seated. I will not delay the invitation for our guest speakers much longer here tonight as we are so excited about them sharing. But if you've been here for the last few weeks, you've been part of our March It Out Gratitude series, and it's been incredible. We went straight from loving God and loving others and living it out to being grateful and marching it out, right? Well, tonight we're going to hike it out, all right? So Mike and Tina Bennett are here to present their incredible journey, inspirational journey, miraculous journey of the Appalachian Trail, and you are going to be super blessed. So open up your hearts and your minds and be ready to receive whatever God has for you tonight. Let's welcome Mike and Tina Bennett. Put money into. 
So Tina and I discussed that uh, John and Jill and the family are just really close. We had 25 plus years vacationing together. And we said, you know, why don't we look at going dollars per mile? And so we're looking at 100 miles that could really benefit. Well, three papers said they would pick up the story and print. And one did continuous stories after we hiked. And so we said, well, if they're going to pick up the story, let's try to do the whole thing. So we went from just looking at 100 miles to doing 2,189 and point two. Point two, the hardest. So our focus definitely changed in um, hiking the AT, and, and we'll use the term AT, that's Appalachian Trail for short. So we chose this verse, Isaiah 40, 31, just as our verse of encouragement. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So that was our verse of encouragement, and we repeated that over and over and over. Again, reminding you, we had never backpacked hiked in our lives. So again, we needed some greater strength than that which we provide ourselves. Well, and we knew if God was calling us to do this, it would have to be his strength to get us through. Because we were in our mid-50s when we hiked and not in great shape, obviously, so we're going to do it on our own strength, for sure. And the Appalachian Trail Conservancy said that only about 25% or less ever make it when they try it through hike. And we were doing it together, so we are already outnumbered as far as percentage to continue to make it. So, I had the task, because Tina was still working, so I researched it. So the Appalachian Trail Conservancy had all kinds of literature, and I read it all that I could find. Uh, we also, on the left side there, we uh, met the gentleman that wrote this book and had a discussion with him about the hike to fit me figure out information. He gave me his phone number in case we had any problems on the trail to be able to help us, so that was nice. Um, we got all other type of information. And these two books right here, the AT Guide has all the information of the elevations and how to go and where to go. And then the companion manual that told us where we could possibly get off the resupply. Because remember, we're going to hike the whole thing. And they say, usually you can get it done in six months, which means that we were going to have to get supplies because you can't carry six months supplies on your back. So depending on where you're hiking, anywhere from five to ten days, is all you could carry, and then you had to get off and get all your material. But again, those 2,189 miles doesn't cover those miles getting off to get the supplies that you need. So it was very important to do the information gathering. And then I got all of our equipment, because we had none, and we researched that and got ultralight equipment. And so Tina's backpack weighed about 24 pounds to 25 pounds. Loaded, Loaded. not just the pack. And mine was about 37 pounds. So that's what we carried uh, along the trail uh, and, until we drank water and ate food out of it. So it was very interesting as far as researching it for me because I got a lot of knowledge as far as things that we had to be concerned about, like bears or snakes or those kind of things. So our plan was to fly into Atlanta, Georgia, and we got a shuttle up to Dahlonega and started our hike on April 13th at Springer Mountain, Georgia, and it was 
was raining a little bit that morning, but we were excited to go. And uh, the gentleman that took us to the start of the hike had actually done the hike, done the entire AT before. And so I said, can you share with us a bit of wisdom before we begin? And he said, don't do it. <laughs> okay, well, our plan was to hike um, seven to eight miles that first day, and um, we didn't make it that far. We got lost our first day. We got lost. We uh, took a left on what we thought was the Appalachian Trail and stepped over all of these sticks that were in a big X on the ground. A clue. It was a clue. And we didn't realize until we had hiked about a half an hour and the trail just ended in a swamp that we were no longer on the AT. We turned around and came back. We did not get as far as we thought we were going to get that day. Um, but we were novices. We were still excited, and we learned the importance of praying every morning before we took off. It seemed to go better when we did that. So we hiked all the way into Georgia. We're about 29 miles in, and we come to a shelter that is one of the oldest shelters. And the shelter is called Blood Mountain, and it's a shelter at the top of Blood Mountain. A real interesting story. On the way up, when we get we're way far away from everything, we hear the old rugged cross on chimes out of nowhere going up. And it's like there's nothing anywhere there. So it was really interesting. So we get up to the top up here, and you can see that Tia took a picture of me standing by the door. So we had a good lunch up there. Again, remember it rained seven days, so we're pretty wet still. And we're at the top, and we get some water. We drink a, a lot of water because you really need water. That's why I tell you make sure you take your drinks while we're going on the trail. We get to the top there. We have our fill of water. Okay, we got enough to last us until the rest of the day, which is about another five hours down to uh, the bottom where we're going to stay at, at a shelter. And a young man comes up in his mid twenties, and he says, "Hey, I haven't had water." I'm really thirsty. And again, you have to be able to have a filtration system or tablets, which a lot of people use to put in the water that actually kill everything in it. And he hadn't had any water. So we gave him the rest of our water. Well, again, like I said earlier, we had drank, and so we felt like we could make it to the next place that, where we could get water. So we gave him our water. And we started hiking on down, and he passed us, because remember, we were old hiking, so he ended up getting by us. And, and so we didn't know we'd ever seen him again. And so we actually were hiking down kind of a really tough area off of Blood Mountain a little bit. And at that point in time, we get down to our next location. So we got down to the shelter, which is a place called Neil's Gap. And the interesting thing about this is this is the only place on the Appalachian Trail where the trail actually goes through a building. And you can see there's an opening up there. The trail actually goes through there. But this place is also significant because it's about three to four days in from the start. And a lot of hikers, by the time they get to this place, they're done. They're quitting. And up in the trees, hikers will throw their boots up and leave their boots up in the trees because they, they decide that this is not but when we were also there, Mike again met the young man that he'd given the water to. 
And so we come down, and this young man is talking to a group of people. And he's saying about these great people and gave him water. And he's saying at the same breath that he doesn't like police officers, and he's an atheist. <laughs> so I take him off. I said, hey, I just want to make sure you understand that we're Christians and that I'm a police officer. <laughs> and by this time, other people were coming around, and he said something to the fact that why wasn't there anybody like you in my area? Um, so he gave us the opportunity because we gave him water. Nothing to us to a degree because we had filled already that he was willing to listen to what we had to say. And not only him, a very staunch atheist came over to listen to see what was being said. So again, it, it's important to make sure that you're helping others. And again, God taught us that lesson right away. Yeah, you never know. So next we get into uh, North Carolina. We've gotten through Georgia, about 78 miles, and hit the North Carolina border. This is just a picture of Mike. I believe this is near Hot Springs, North Carolina, and that's the French Broad River. Yes, and it's, it's about, like she said, 78 miles down the way. Hot Springs was really a nice place to just kind of regroup and get some of our rest and relaxation because it had been tough. It was about 240 miles from the time that we met the atheist. And I'm walking down into the city there, the village of Hot Springs, and he's talking to a gentleman. And he says, right here he comes. And so here he's still talking about the water, 240 miles longer. So again, what can make an impression on somebody is the first thing is that you have to be willing to serve. So there are some luxurious accommodations that <laughs> This is an example of the shelter where hikers can sleep. So it's three-sided, it does have a roof on it, but it is open. And it is open to animals. It is open to mice. Um, particularly, uh, we, Mike's going to show you here in a minute a picture of our tent where we stay, but I have a shelter story. Uh, one night, we were in Tennessee, and it was raining so hard we could not even put our tent up. I mean, it was just impossible. So there was a shelter nearby, and we decided we were going to hike to that shelter and went in, and it was full because all the hikers were in there trying to get out of the elements. And, but we did have a place to sleep on the floor. So we're sleeping on the floor of the shelter. About 4.30 a.m., there's a mouse in my hair. Got caught in her hair. And I mean, you, you're just running all around. And so, and so of course, it, it wakes you up. I think I need to go out and use the bathroom. Now the bathroom is behind a tree. Okay, I need to go out and use the bathroom when it's dark. And he's like, just don't go so far. Okay, he wasn't even willing to go right <laughs> Just don't go far. Okay, thank you, honey. She was safe. In the next slide here, you'll see that we live in this for six months. And we only stayed in the shelter two or three, maybe four times without our tent because we did not want to have more mice in Tina's hair. Um, so you can see right here for six months, you can see 
Tina, and incidentally, you can call us by your trail names if you like. Tina's trail name is Toad. And you can ask her later how she got that. And my trail name was Cheap because of, that's what a lot of people were calling me at the time. And so Toad is in there eating right now. And so you can see that the uh, great location to be able to eat her food was right there most nights. This tent did zip up all the way to keep out the mice. Amen. Uh, on the Appalachian Trail, there are approximately 150,000 elevation changes. So you are never going a flat trail. People always ask, is it like a bike trail? No, it isn't. <laughs> so up and down all the time, brown mountains. Uh, even a compass doesn't help because even when you're hiking north, you may be hiking south some of the time. Uh, this is an example of the type of terrain we hiked through quite often. You really had to watch where you were walking because it wasn't always just dirt. And so water. How do you get water? You can't carry 150,000 gallons on your back. So we have a platypus filter that you can see that I'm using right there. And you get the water out of creeks, out of lakes, out of running spots that when it's really raining hard, it's coming down the mountainside and you get it out of that. But you filtrate it through the platypus filter. Um, I was a little concerned about that from what I read. So we also got what's called a scary pen. It's an ultraviolet light. And then I would stir it because it would kill 99% of the bacteria with the scurry. So everything that I did, I did it twice to make sure that we were kept safe in the water because you have to get your water off of the trail. And again, if it's hot, there's no water. So you carry a lot of water when you find it. So it's important to make sure that you see here, here's a creek, and we got water out of creeks like that everywhere we went when we could. Bless you. <laughs> uh, people ask, what do you eat when you're on the trail? Well, keep in mind there is no refrigeration, so the food has to be able to travel well in your backpack without disintegrating. So we ate a lot of this sort of thing. Uh, we do, did have um, dehydrated meals. And Mike had a, a little stove that with a jet oil is called. Yeah, some jet oil, so he could eat that up. We put it in the uh, uh, freeze-dried meal, and usually we ate that for dinner. But interesting story. We had one hiker tell us he went to McDonald's and he got ten cheeseburgers, and he packed them out. Was out on the trail for like four days and ate those ten cheeseburgers over four days. So think about that when you're. <laughs> um, the other thing about the food is you have to resupply every five to seven days. And so we had to actually hike into a small town. We found a lot of Dollar General stores. That's where we would get our food. Or if we were close enough, we could get a shuttle maybe into a little bit bigger town where we could get like a motel and a shower like every week maybe. <laughs> So next, we're coming up to Tennessee. And again, you can see the Great Smoky Mountains and we're going through the National Park. Well, as soon as we enter it, unfortunately, we were told we couldn't sleep under the first night because a bear had gotten in a tent and stole food out of it. You're not supposed to leave your food in the tent. Unfortunately, this couple left food in their tent and the bear decided to come into the tent and get it. So, so what do you do with your food? So your food, you have to have a rope and you tie a rock around your rope, you throw it up over top of a tree limb, 
that's at least 10, 12 feet away from the tree because they can climb up the tree and get it, and then let it dangle about six feet down, about 12 feet to 15 feet above. So every night, that's what we had to do if there wasn't a bear box somewhere if we stayed. And so that's how we did it. And you can see on the next slide here, this is the really nice part of the trail. And if you're on that trail more than about a half a mile, you're not on the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> and then the next one that the slide on in here is Clingham Dome. Has anybody been to Clingham Dome down in Tennessee? It's, it's down in Tennessee. And when you're on top of Clingham's Dome, if it's a clear day, you can see seven states. So it's really interesting. You can Google Clingman's Dome on that. So it's really fun to be at Clingman's Dome because you can see all kinds of views up there. It's a gorgeous view. So over 99% of the Appalachian Trail is in the woods. On occasion, though, you will cross over a road. And I took a picture of this sign because it tells you what direction you're going. And we had an interesting uh, encounter one morning. We were already out walking. And there was a hiker who was still in his hammock, and he yelled out, and he said, hey, what direction are you hiking? And we said, uh, northbound. And he said, the reason I'm asking is because yesterday I hiked 14 miles in the wrong direction before I realized it, and he had to hike 14 back. So as I've said, compasses do not always give you the right direction, but these signs are very so there's a real life lesson there because we need to stay on the right path. Or you, you might find you've gone 14 miles in the wrong direction. Uh, we had a lot of beauty on the trail. Uh, these are the wild rhododendrons, and I've never seen anything like this before. So there, there was beauty to be thankful for as well. Yeah, the next slide, you'll see right here that we're going in from Tennessee into the Virginia state line. So we've completed 465 miles. Again, people that have never hiked in our lives on the backpacking. So now we're entering the great state of Virginia, and there are 552 miles of the trail is in Virginia. And Virginia has all, any type of terrain you can think of uh, as far as the, the trail is concerned. And this is a lovely picture of a cow pasture that we had to hike in and through. And so you can see that now we're going into our fifth state. We've done Georgia, we've done North Carolina, Tennessee, or excuse me, fourth state, uh, Virginia now. Um, so we're going to do 552 miles through this now. Now there are some obstacles along the trail. Um, the trail itself runs on both public and private lands. So here we had some trail angels that built like a little ladder that went over top of the fence so we didn't knock the fence down. On our next one, you'll see markers. How do you follow the Appalachian Trail, everybody asks. Well, you can see on the first one here where it says 500 miles, there's a blaze. And it's a two by six inch blaze that's painted on trees, on rocks, when they're able to. If we're above tree line, what you see is right on the right hand side here, that's called a rock carn. It's made out of bigger rocks to smaller. And that's what, when you get above a tree line, that's all you see most times, or painted on rocks, but most of them aren't painted on rocks. You can see it right here, that it's painted on the rock right here, and Toad is hiking up over top of these rocks. That's the trail of that particular area of Virginia. 
This is the James River in Virginia, and we were very thankful there was actually a bridge over this river, so we got to cross over a bridge. But there were some rivers in Maine that we actually had to ford, so we'll talk a little about that later. So in the next one right here, you see that Toad is looking at the marker, like, where does this place go? Went right up through the cow pasture, right up by the cows. You can tell it's a real nice trail, so we're not going to stay on that too long. But Toad decided that it would be a little humorous if I was in the next picture. Anybody have an idea what this is called here? It's called the Batman Squeeze. <laughs> and so she took my picture trying to get through the Batman Squeeze. We also had a lot of history along the trail. And in Virginia, this was an old school house. And there was also remnants of um, a cabin that once used to be there. And in this area of Virginia, it was an area where freed slaves after the Civil War uh, congregated and lived. But also in that schoolhouse, we had trail angels. And trail angels um, are different people or groups or individuals that will drop off supplies for hikers. So a local church put things in this old schoolhouse that hikers would need, like water and medical supplies and Little Debbie snacks. It was the best. Uh, this is an area of Virginia. You can maybe see a little bit of um, the rainbow up there. And this picture was actually taken after six really difficult days. We knew we were going to be out for six days before we would get to this hostel. And it was a pretty tough part of the trail. And when you're a hiker, clean, dry socks are worth gold. Wait a minute, before I finish this, is there an attorney in the crowd out here? So anyhow, we each had three pair of hiking socks. So we knew we were going to be out six days, we were going to have to wear a pair of socks for two days. First day is not bad. They're clean and dry when you put them on. But when it's raining and you're sweating, the second day's a little bit rough. They're, they're pretty rank when you put your socks on. So uh, we each had three pair, day one and two, one pair of socks. Well, wait a minute, did, did I tell you that I had big blisters on the back of my heels? Day five, I don't have any more socks. And I'm like, do you have my socks? He looked through his backpack. No, you must have left them where we did laundry <laughs> So I had to wear the same socks for four days. And it was so bad when I, when I put them on, I was like, Ooh. you know. Um, but anyhow, when we got to that hostel, after six days of hiking in the rain and started to do our laundry, I had my two pair of socks. He had four pair. Four pair of socks. Wouldn't you say it was nice and toad to put an extra pair of socks in my suitcase? So I'm just going to be real transparent. When you spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week, over six months with your spouse, it can get a little ouchy at times. And there were times that, you know, we weren't speaking to each other. <laughs> there were times I'm like, you just go hike up there. I don't want to see your face. <laughs> um, and 
and, and that's just how it is. And we have people ask us all the time, were you still married when you got back? That's the number one question we've been asked. Yeah. So it's tough, but we had to, to learn to, to live together, didn't we, out on the trail? Yes. But along the trail, we met some wonderful people. And last, a couple weeks ago, you met Emily, which is walkie-talkie Nightingale, because she flew down from Boston and came down here with us and stayed with us for a few days. Um, she's been to our house three times. Um, Maestro um, Thomas, we were invited to his wedding and went to New York for his wedding. Uh, there's TMI, that was hiking along area. On the next slide, you'll see that we have Chief Two Feathers, and Gary has been to our house in Florida and Ohio. We've been to his house. Uh, again, so he's a lifelong friend. Pace and Matt, they were from Hawaii. They ended up relocating. They were in military Air Force to Virginia. We've been to their house. Uh, again, T-Storm. So you can see that we've met a lot of wonderful people, um, with several of them still that are friends with us to this day. A couple of places that are really fun. Uh, if you're looking for a smaller hike or a shorter hike, uh, down in Virginia by McCaffrey's Knob, I know Jim and Annette and Patrick were down there hiking a couple of years ago, and uh, it's a nice area. It doesn't take too long to get there, and it's a great photo op. Um, also, the Shenandoah Mountains, the Shenandoah Valley is a neat place to hike as well. Of course, there's always those things that you don't want to see the wildlife. And this bear right here, that's Mama Bear, she was on the trail and she wasn't getting off of it because she had two cubs that went up the trees every time we come around the corner and she's sitting right on the trail. And she wasn't happy with us. And by the third time, she got very unhappy with us. So we decided it might be better just to hike through the weeds around her, um, which we did. And fortunately, I got a tick in me. So Tina had to play doctor and pull it out on me. Uh, just to tell you my snake story, uh, we were hiking in Virginia. He was a little bit ahead of me on the trail, and I got to a certain point and I heard the rattlesnake. Heard it before I saw it, and I knew enough just to freeze. And so my eyes started scanning the trail. You know, where is this thing? I can hear it. I can hear it. I can hear it. And it is 18 inches from my left leg, and it's coiling. And. You know, you just, oh, please, God, just help me. So I just took a very slow step this way, and it didn't move, and I took another slow step this way until I was about 10 feet away, and then I hollered at Mike to come back, and that there was a snake, and he ran back, never asked how I was. He said, let me get a picture of it. <laughs> and it was too big to put on the screen. It was a big snake. Uh, but here are just a sample of some of the uh, things that we saw. Uh, these wild ponies are at the Grayson Highlands in Virginia, if you've ever been there. And this was a particularly hot hiking day, and I was sweating quite a bit, and one of the ponies actually came up and used my arm as a salt lick. <laughs> For a long time. It followed us up the trail. And this bird right here followed us up the trail for probably a quarter of a mile, right behind us. Just kept on following us up the trail. So it was really kind of cute as far as what happened. The next slide here, you see we're finally making it to West Virginia. West Virginia is six miles of the course is all. And it's where the Shenandoah River and the Potomac River come together. 
but it, it is such a beautiful place at Harper's Ferry and a lot of history, and it's just gorgeous as far as being there. But what's really nifty is that you get to what's called the mental halfway point, which is at the Appalachian Trail Conservancy. And so you get your picture taken, you get put in a yearbook, our picture's in a yearbook there for 2015. And these are some of other friends, old school, Log Yo-Yo, Her Dog, and Home Pride, and Tiger Mike that hiked around us. And so these are some other people that we were able to hike around that was really fun to, to hike with. And on this slide, you can see uh, the John Brown as far as the Civil War. And in the South, there's a lot of Civil War history right on the trail. So it was really interesting as far as being able to see it. You get into Maryland, and Maryland is a lot of rocks, actually, and they tell you to watch out for the bees uh, because the bees hide in the rocks. But by this point, we have been hiking 18 to 24 miles in a day, so we have gotten what hikers call trail legs. And trail legs are, is when you're cardiovascular and, and muscle-wise, and being able to carry a backpack, just really you're starting to be in a, a good athletic position at that point, and you can do more miles. So we hike through Maryland, and we end up getting to this location. A little bit more history. Most people aren't aware that the original Washington Monument is not in D.C. It's in Maryland, and it's this thing that looks kind of like an old milk jug. And so the interesting thing is that had gotten struck by lightning about the same time the one in D.C. had. Um, but also we passed the Mason-Dixon line on the trail. And finally, we're in the Pennsylvania. Now, I have to admit, I grumble a lot on the trail about rocks. So true. We're, we're supposed to be content and be happy and thankful in all things. So I had to keep on reminding myself that I was supposed to be thankful with rocks. You know, sometimes God puts things in our path that's training us for something further, maybe later. So keep that in mind as we look at this. And I, I think we should rename those people that are from Pennsylvania. It should be called Rocksylvania. <laughs> just, just saying. That's what I think it should be renamed for. Now we're at the halfway, actual halfway point, and we have made it now 1,094.6 miles from Springer. So now we are halfway, and you guys are halfway with us now, and we only have 1,094.6 miles to Katahdin. So that's all we have to do to get there. And 400 more slides for your presentation. <laughs> Pennsylvania, there is an actual AT museum, and one of the placards they have in the museum are the number of people that have hiked at least 2,000 miles uh, on the Appalachian Trail. Uh, you can see when the trail was completed in the 1930s, five people hiked the full trail, and up into the 2000s, quite a few more. Um, as of 2018, they estimate about 20,000 people have hiked the entire Appalachian Trail within the course of a year. So it's really interesting. Now, there is some points of Pennsylvania, those that live in Pennsylvania, that there's some really good pastures there. So it's really nice, you can see Toad there. But I've got a great story for you. This is gonna be our 35th wedding anniversary on the trail. And I decide, 
But based on what we have available at the trail, nothing's too good for Toad. Now, we're coming up to Duncannon, which has one of the original Anheuser-Busch, what's called the Doyle Motel. So I call ahead and I get a reservation for the honeymoon suite. So I said, nothing's too good for Toad. So on the next slide, you'll see how beautiful the room is. picture on the Appalachian Trail so that you can get that picture on that. 
right there with the sun. So it's not bad enough that you have to hike up Mount Katahdin, but you also have to hike down as well. That took another half of day. And then you go into what's considered the 100-mile wilderness. Through this section of Maine, there is nothing. And they caution hikers, make sure you have winter clothes, make sure you take enough food and water, because there is nothing for 100 miles. So we were prepared in doing that. Some sections of Maine, we talked about the rivers before, will have a bridge uh, that trail angels have put so you don't have to ford the rivers. But others you do have to ford, and the water can be chest high. So one thing they caution hikers about is before you ford a river, make sure that you unhook your backpack or take off your backpack. The reason why is if you fall down, if you go under the water, that backpack is heavy enough, you may not be able to get it off and it can be dangerous for drowning. So our next slide here. Again, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Again, this is a very important scripture, and we all need to make sure that we're following it, and especially when we're in the 100-mile wilderness. Unfortunately, we got stuck at the very top of Barren Mountain in the 100-mile wilderness with a very bad storm, electric storm, rainy, and so when we woke up, we had to start hiking down the very steep side of the mountain. As we started down the mountain, unfortunately, I put my stick down, my foot slipped, I put it down, my stake broke off of my finger. I put the other one down, it broke up, and it threw me up in the air. So now, Toad is behind me, and she's watching my feet and my body go down the mountain until I hit. I hit on my neck and on my shoulder. Um, initially, I thought I was paralyzed. Um, I laid there for probably about an hour, couldn't move. Um, again, we have no phone service. There is nobody around within 100 miles, and Toad is standing there trying to figure out what to do, and she's trying to keep me awake. Just trying to keep him from passing out because that's how he looked, and trying to get his backpack off of him. He did have a gash in his head, so I'm trying to deal with that as well, and honestly, I did not know what we were going to do. All you can do is just pray in that situation, just that he would be okay and that we would be able to get some place to get some medical attention. And God did provide. It's amazing how God provides. Again, if you turn to God, which you should always do immediately, as we prayed in, in 100 miles, there happens to be an EMT paramedic that just happens to be hiking the opposite direction that comes and is there. So then later, we also had a physical therapist that just happens to be taking care of a section of the trail who was able to assist me also. So we were able to finish and get out of that wilderness. We end up in Monson, Maine. They have a beautiful old church there, and we were able to take about two days just to rest. Uh, there was uh, a hostel there where we could stay, and we got some ice on him. Not knowing how bad his injury actually was, uh, we prayed about it, and he said, yeah, I think I can continue. Remember, we're doing it for a reason, so, you know, we're, it's important to stay in it, so we did. Here's an area of Maine, the Kennebec River, where hikers must take a canoe across, and the reason is that 
At uh, one point, hikers have tried crossing this river on foot, and there have been uh, some drownings because it can rise very quickly. So one area where we did have to take a canoe. And you can see Maine. This is hiking, but we're climbing up the side of the mountain. In the next picture, you'll see another mountain. We're climbing up the side of the mountain. So this is what we had to do after I had fallen. So the, the trail really gets difficult. Some areas are so treacherous that trail angels will build or put up some type of ladder system so that you can get up and down the ravines. And you can see on the next picture, we got a little friend here. This is a friend I made at a hostel in Rangley, Maine, and she uh, was in my backpack snooping around one day for some food, so I had to, you know, gently get her out, but yeah, that was fun. On our next one, this is called the Mahusik Notch. The Appalachian Trail Conservancy has this as the hardest mile on the AT. To get down to the southbound, we had to slide down 1,700 feet, and I do mean slide, because you couldn't walk. You literally slid down to get here. And then the Moosey Notch is one mile long. It's about two, 300 um, meters across, with two huge mountains, 5,000 feet or so on each side. You have to go over boulders, under boulders, through boulders to get to the other side. There's a 100-foot cave underneath of it, so you gotta make sure you don't drop to the 100-foot down. And so it's supposed to be the hardest mile. A lot of the younger people call it the most fantastic hiking area because you have to do so many things to get through it. For us old people, it was difficult. And as you can see here, again, Toad, I was able to get a picture on one of the bad mountains. Down here is where we came up from. So you can see how we're climbing in Maine up the side of the mountain on this particular area. So it was difficult. God was definitely getting us ready for it. So we've completed Maine, we're crossing into New Hampshire, and at this point we've completed about 1,400 miles on the Appalachian Trail. But that doesn't go without some physical and mental Did challenges. Did I tell you that Toad stabbed me? I stabbed Mike one day. Uh, you can see the picture of his hand there in one teeny little drop of blood. He had to squeeze to get that to come out. So I took a picture. She was, cut, she was cutting cheese and my hand got in the way. Yes, yeah, it was not intentional. But more seriously, um, doing a long distance hike is really tough. We had just the loss of body weight, even though we were trying to eat as much food as we can. They say hikers burn between four and 6,000 calories a day. All right, up and down, all those elevations and carry the backpack. Um, our feet were a mess, blisters, numb, cuts. Mike had a blister on his back just from the backpack rubbing. He had a shoulder injury. Um, I hit the rocks, you can see my face there where I hit the rocks. Yeah, my, my knees were starting to give out. And honestly, it was a point I was ready to quit. I was done. And he had told me, whenever you're done, you're done. And I said to him, I'm done, and he's like, well, no, wait, let's think about this. <laughs> well, again, to that point, I said, we will definitely stop, but let's go back again. We had went over top of the Carters, the Mariahs, and cat, wildcats are called A, B, C, and D, and these things are all 4,000 footers plus going up and down. And I said that we were at, at that time, that's Pinkham Notch. I said, let's go back to Gorham, New Hampshire, there was a White House Mountain uh, hostel, beautiful place. We had a private room. 
I said, let's stay here a couple days, and if you definitely want to leave, we'll leave. I said, well, we'll get a shuttle and we'll fly out. I said, but let's give it time. So Toad watched the next day, and it said it was going to be clear blue skies for four days. And again, the presidential range is something that Toad really did not want to do. It's a very difficult area. And she said, okay, I'm willing to do it since we got four clear blue skies. And you can read here, it says, stop. The area ahead has the worst weather in America. Many have died there from exposure even in the summer. Turn back now if the weather's bad. White Mountain National Hospital, uh, Forest. We are there in August, which is one of the hottest times that you're there. Again, um, Toad and I put our faith in God. And so you can see the next picture. I was glad that Toad uh, was uh, willing to go on. It went from 74 degrees. As you can see, we are here. Pinkham Notch is clear down there. And we had to come up here, and we get here about 15 minutes or so. It changes from clear blue skies to what you see here now. And it got down to 28 windshield. So we had to literally go down the side and put our tent and rocks for the night to be able to withstand. And did I mention the wind was 60 to 80 miles an hour? So it was really horrendous. So again, I, I really give it to Toad because this is the most treacherous area that she was fearful. Don't give it to me. I wasn't liking you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are on top of Mount Washington. Some of you may have driven up there or taken the cop train, but as you can see, we have our winter gear on and it is August, so it, it was cold. And most of the time we were above tree line and you can see the rock cards. Uh, to show us where the trail is and where we need to go. And to explain a little bit further, you can see we're up here. We had to go down there to that road and then go back up there. So again, you can see that why Toad was not particularly wanting to go through this this area. So um, again, a, a great attaboy to Toad because again, you remember we're doing it for somebody that we were trying to help. And you can see we finally get on one area of the presidential range that really had a good trail. Um, it didn't last long, but we did have a nice part to be able to rest a little bit along the way. This is Vermont, beautiful state, and you can see the leaves are starting to change colors. So at this point, we have been out on the Appalachian Trail for three seasons, uh, spring, summer, and fall. And uh, another picture with the leaves, and they're changing. The funny thing is, I had always wanted to go to New England in the fall to see the leaves. So Mike said he would take me. I just didn't know I'd have to walk to get there. Hey, hey, right guys? I took her. Again, real quick on the next couple of slides is the War Memorial. The next one is Shays Rebellion. Again, a lot of silver, um, Revolutionary War type stuff along the trail in the New England states. So it was really interesting. It was right on the trail to be able to see different monuments and things. So it was a fun time. Then we get into Connecticut. And the nice part about Connecticut was we also got to see some meadow, uh, which is always nice when there isn't a mountain to climb. It's a little bit more flat and grassy. And then we get to get to the bridge where we go across the Hudson River. West Point is just down the way this way. Um, we go across, we're able to, to resupply right close to the bridge there, and then we're starting through New York, 
Um, at one point on Black Mountain, we are only 34 miles from New York City, and you can look down and be able to look at the skyline. Our day, unfortunately, we had fall, so we didn't have a good view. Again, this is a beautiful area. You can see some more water that we were able to get when we were there. Incidentally, when we were in the north, we ran out of water a lot because it was dry. An example of just a marshy area, sometimes you have to walk through those, and they have boards to walk on, but when those get wet, they are really slippery. So falling was just a part of what happened about every week to us. And this trail right here, there's one point in New York that the railroad goes right across the trail. They decided to actually put a pickup there. So if somebody says, I'm done on the trail and I'm getting off, Emily, who was here with us a couple weeks ago, she had a bear that got into her food. She couldn't hang it tall enough. She had gotten a day behind us. And the bear decided to come looking in her hammock for more food where she was sleeping. And she decided that was it. She got off. Now she did finish the next year. But this is the railroad where she got on and went into New York City to get a, a flight out. Now we're into New Jersey, and while we were hiking through New Jersey, New Jersey, Hurricane Joaquin went through New Jersey that year, and Mike ended up with hypothermia just because of the rain and the cold. So we were trying to get to this deli that we heard was going to let hikers come in and spend the night. And we hiked, I think, an extra eight or 10 miles to get there. And they had a big sign on that says closed due to hurricane. Uh, but we looked down and there was a room and there was a little tavern down there. And we went and we asked the owner, can we just come in and get warm? We'll pay for something to eat. And he was so hospitable, he let us come in. He gave us some chili and some coffee. And we were able to warm up and spend some time there. Uh, in New Jersey, you can see I've got an orange bandana on my head. That's because it was hunting season while we were there. So just one other uh, thing we had to watch. And the next two slides, you can see we're going around the lake here. This is New Jersey again. The next slide, you can see a boardwalk again that we have to go through. And you can see it's not wet, so there's not water around. Usually water's upright by that, so we're having a hard time finding water again still. And then finally, we get to Pennsylvania, or I call Rocksylvania, and this road is where we have to go down to that road to go across to get back into the woods. Problem with this little stretch right here is the copperheads. There's a bunch of copperheads in it, but you know what? There was not one copperhead that showed its face as we went down, so God is good, because that was one of our big warnings in that stretch. Again, here's some more Rocksylvania for those that are from Pennsylvania. I renamed your state Rocksylvania. Um, not to be uh, mean, but it is a lot of rocks on the Appalachian Trail. We did have a nice view, and we it took us about one week to complete that 100 miles to get back to where we had gotten off the trail earlier. And we finished up our hike. We just want to praise the Lord for that. That was a good states and 2,189 miles. So, what we learned? Again, this trip. is the Katahdin. This is the northern terminus of the, that we went up the side there, and it's a beautiful place. Uh, I will tell you that this is the hardest thing that Mike and I have ever done, both physically, mentally, spiritually, um, 
and emotionally, and we did not fully appreciate the experience at the time, just because it was so hard. But as we've gone now, nearly eight years, we've had a lot of time to reflect and think about it and just um, appreciate the solitude of the wilderness, just being able to hear God speak because we didn't have all of the worldly noise going on. It was just that time uh, there with us and God. And, um, you know, it truly was a wilderness experience, you know, out there, just as difficult as it was, but it was also a growth opportunity for us. Yeah, we, we actually became so much closer to God. They say that the higher you get, the clearer view becomes. It also makes it clear as far as that God is alive and well. And you can't see the beauty of what we saw if we had not done what we did. So it's amazing how God takes something that is so difficult, but allows you to have the beauty that you would have never seen in your life. And now that we are able to reflect on and to see God's hand, because when you're in the mountains, I mean, and hiking the 2,189 miles, I mean, you get to see the hand of God and the beauty that's just everywhere. And if you can't, then you're not alive because the beauty and to know that God is real and God's there and that God takes care of you. Um, as Tina said, um, as far as my injury, I didn't realize how bad it was, but my shoulder was ripped off. My entire cuff went off. The doctor said there was a 5% chance that they could put it back on. And God put it back on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that, you know, sometimes, in the United States especially, we get to a point that we think we deserve things and that we want, 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 and want. God showed us on the trail that all we needed was a tent and that we had water on the trail. We had the food. And so he showed you that you can get by with things. And then also showed us then in our everyday life just the importance that everybody has access to water to be able to sleep in a bed, and to be able to take a shower. And there are very few people in the United States that don't have that right, and then to be able to have food. So God provides, and that's something to understand that we were taught on the trail about how good we have it, and how he provides, and what we take for granted. And so we need not to take for granted. And again, along the way that we discovered all the things we talked about that also happened to where we are rewarded with the blessing of being able to see things when you do something for somebody else. And incidentally, our good friend John Gurney made it 12 months. So this next Bible verse sums up what God has been teaching us over the last eight years. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 11 through 13. So what the process, we continue to learn about being content in whatever circumstances there are, but we do know that God is all you need and that he is enough. So we want to leave you with a couple of questions, and that is, what are you learning in your wilderness, in your trials, and in your hardships? And how can you march into gratitude when you realize that God is enough?
He is all that you need. And last, again, if you don't know God, that today's the day that you came to God. And if you haven't seen God today, then you're not looking. So I encourage everybody for John 3.16, for God so loved the world that indeed is only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's everybody sitting in here. You just have to accept if you don't know him. So with that, we did go over our time by double fold. I apologize to the pastors, and thank you very much for your attention today. As they step off the stage here at church, I'm, I'm encouraged in my spirit, so many thoughts that they shared with us tonight, two that I want to highlight. The first one being that they knew why they were on the journey. They kept having to come back to that, but they knew their why. And they had to be smart and wise on how to carry out the journey and even take a break to reassess. She said falling is part of it. And I think so much of our faith journey can be, can be uh, parallel to what you've shared here today and what you've experienced because there's so many times that truly, even in faith, it seems like falling is, is part of the journey. But it is God who provides, who picks us up, who heals us, who puts us back together. And all along the way in our faith journey, we need to know the why. Because that's what's going to keep us on it. Because we're really human. And we can really lose sight of whose we are and what matters most. And so in this faith journey, maybe you're going to start it tonight, or maybe you're on the faith journey, or maybe you're ready to refocus. Maybe you had to take a little break on White National Hostel, and now it's time to jump back on the pathway tonight. But you got to know the why. And it truly is that for God so loved the world. And it truly is about the over the cross. And I'm inspired by the fact that you can hear that song in the distance, the first thing. That was purposeful. And if you know this hymn, sing it. On a
as we move into a time of response, we encourage you to be active in this time, reflecting and responding actively. We prepare candles for you to come and light, and the large candles are representative of Jesus, the light of the world. And as you come and you light a taper candle off the large candle, you can then light a smaller candle, inviting the light of the world into your life, into your situation, into your heart, into the journey. Jesus, help me. Jesus, come here. Or maybe you're praying for someone. Jesus, would you go? Would you be? Would you do for them? As always, this is an altar. This is a space where you and God, just you and God, come and kneel, and just you and God, no one will bother you. If you would like prayer from your pastor, please ask Eric or my parents here or Laura to come and attend you or a friend, and they'll pray with you. Otherwise, if you just come kneel, it's just you and God. Spend some time with him. Or you can, you can fill out that prayer request card near you, the white card, and drop it in the baskets, and also worship with us as we sing this amazing hymn also, Just As I Am. Because tonight, He is here, and He's accepting you, and He's loving you just as you are. Let's return and worship to Him tonight. Let's sing.